Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Package Tourist, hosted by yours truly, The Package Tourist and the Magical Mystery Tour Called Life, Matthew DBI's. Tonight, we be, this is episode one of season number five for my show, and tonight we have a special guest who is returning to us, pro football historian and author Terrence T.J. Troop. T.J. is one of the foremost historians of professional football. He has written numerous articles for American Football Coaches Monthly and was the football coordinator consultant for the 2008 George Clooney film Leatherheads and also the 2021 film 12 Mighty Orphans. He wrote his first book in 2009 titled This Day in Football and in 2014 he wrote The Birth of Football's Modern 4-3 Defense, a splendidly detailed tactical analysis of how NFL teams play defense during the 1950s, and it's a must-read for all serious pro football researchers. Tonight, you're in for a special treat. Coach Troop and I will be exploring a great pro football what-if scenario. What would have happened if the 1963 NFL champion Chicago Bears faced the 1963 AFL champion San Diego Chargers in a mythical Super Bowl game? Coach, I hope you had a lovely new year, and welcome back to the show. And um, I'd like to start off by asking you, let's discuss the following matchup. The Chicago Bears' offense versus the San Diego Chargers' defense. Let's begin with the Bears' offensive line against the Chargers' defensive line and their linebackers. Well, the Bear offensive line is rock solid. They're, it's um, usually the same group week after week, though Bob Witoska um, the second half of 63 has become the right offensive tackle. They're um, very, very good run blockers, but superb pass blockers as the Bears allowed very few sacks. Um, the Charger defensive line has an improvement in 63. They've got a, a, a player named George Gross. He really helps them, but that's because Ernie Ladd had such contract issues with the front office that Sid Gilman attempted to trade him and could not find any team that would take him. He also was having some health issues, so even though we know Ernie Ladd can dominate a game, he starts only twice in 1963. Wow. Um, the left defensive end for the Chargers, Earl Faison, is a force. Watoska is really going to have his hands full. In fact, there will probably be times where Ditka will have to line up a line closer to Watoska and help. Um, the other matchups, there's a rookie at right defensive end for San Diego. Herman Lee should not have a problem. So the Charger defensive line, though they're, they're rock solid, they are not dominant. And But the weakness of the Charger defense, it even talks about this in publications like Street and Smith's, the linebackers rotate men at both outside linebacker positions, and um, those guys, especially Paul McGuire, he would in the NFL he'd either been a punter or he just sat on the bench. Mm. They're just not NFL quality. Okay, now let's go to the Bears. Uh, let me quickly interject. Sorry, Matthew, but the Charger middle linebacker Chuck Allen is superb. He is smart opportunistic and he can fill 
fill the inside gap so he's not the biggest guy. So the, the one charger strength in the front seven other than Faison is Chuck Allen. Okay. Now let's talk about the Bears' offensive backfield and their pass catchers versus the Chargers' defensive secondary, who happen to be coached by future coaching immortal Chuck Knoll. Well, this is a transition year for Chuck Knoll, and it really helped him. Jack Faulkner had done just a superb job with the Chargers' secondary, so much so that he becomes the head coach of um, the Denver Broncos in 1962. But now going into 63, Noel is going from the def- coaching the defensive line to the secondary. And the Chargers secondary has six different men start mm. for them. Uh, George Blair is rock solid, usually at strong safety. And Bud Whitehead plays some safety and also some left cornerback. And he starts every week. Interesting. Now, in the in an AFL oral history book, Going Long, a fantastic read, Sid Gilman is quoted as saying, and I quote, I coached Billy Wade. There is no way a Billy Wade-led ball club can score more than 14 points on us, and we can't be held under 14 by anybody. We have better talent than they do. We're the best football team. Coach, based on your film analysis, would you concur with Sid Gilman's remarks or no? Well, it's going to be a yes and no. Okay. If this is the Billy Wade that was difficult to coach for Sid Gilman from the mid-50s yeah. through 58 and 59, even though he put up great numbers in 58 and 59, Billy Wade could force a ball into coverage. He had such a good arm. He was headstrong. But this is not the same Billy Wade as we discussed last week. Billy Wade adjusted his game. He has grown. He has matured. He does not force the ball into coverage. So if Sid Gilman's facing the old Billy Wade, yes. But he's not facing the old Billy Wade. This is a new, improved Billy Wade who can still throw long. Okay. Now let's flip the matchups. Let us go with the San Diego Chargers offense versus the Chicago Bears defense. Let's begin with the Chargers O-line versus the Bears defensive front seven. 
thing I, I look at at film is the line splits of the offensive linemen. Yeah. Now, the Chargers line splits are not huge, but they are a little bit bigger than most of the teams. Mm. They invite teams to shoot the gaps or, and use the term now we call it blitz. In those days, we called it red dog. Mm. The Charger offensive line, except for the injury, is very, very good. Mm. Ron Mix, future Hall of Famer, is just without a doubt the best offensive tackle in the AFL and would have started for just about any NFL team. I don't think he would have beaten out Forrest Gregg, but Ron Mix can play. The left offensive, so Ed Obradovich is going to have his hands full. He is mm. not going to win that matchup mm. against Ron Mix very often. Yeah. The left offensive tackle for the Chargers, Ernie Wright, is big, good feet, is an excellent pass blocker, but he's never faced anyone near Doug Atkins. Mm. Yeah. The, the left offensive guard for the Chargers, Sam um, Grenison, is excellent, but he gets injured halfway through the year mm. and is replaced by an NFL cast-off, Jerry DeLuca. Mm. DeLuca's okay. If Grenison would have played in this game, oh yeah, the Chargers would have it would have held their own there. Um, the center Rogers is solid, but he he's he's facing Bill George. Yeah. I mean, my gosh. Um, and the right offensive guard is, for the Chargers, is also, also excellent, Pat Shea. Mm. Okay. Uh, now let's talk about the Chargers' offensive backfield and especially their receiving core versus the Bears' awesome defensive secondary. Well, first off, many people talk about the skill level of Keith Lincoln and how he's an undersized fullback and how but when he does get the ball how good he is and all of that is true and he's a fine pass catcher and he is a decent blocker but Mr. Lincoln is going to look across the line of scrimmage and see bare linebackers that dwarf anything the AFL has to offer mm. I mean we're not talking about any crew here this is Larry Morris, Bill George, and Joe Fortunato. Yeah. Paul Lowe is exceptional. Um, I did a little homework on Mr. Lowe, mm. and his numbers are eye-popping in 63. He has numbers that just dwarf. In the games, in the four games against Oakland and Boston, he carried the ball 30 times for 93 yards. Not exactly great. In the other 10 games, 147 carries for 917 yards. Wow. So if you can't defend the run, Paul Lowe is just going to run around you, past you. Um, he has. He's just an outstanding back. But notice I said teams that would red dog mm. and teams that had really fine linebacking cores. So... Paul Lowe is not going to face uh, the usual linebacking core, though he is going to be a factor in this game. As for receivers, yeah. at right or tight end, Dave Kasurik is exceptional, mm. but he's had some injury problems. Mm. And they've got a young rookie named Jack McKinnon, who's even bigger, and he's also good. They, they combined to catch 50 balls between them. Yeah. They were good. Normally, 
blade, the right or the um, the split receiver to the right is Don Norton. But yeah. he also has injury. Now he comes back the second half of the year, and he is a, a real fine player. The first half of the year, they use a youngster named Jerry Robinson. Hmm. He's just an average player. Hmm. But the key, of course, is Bambi. Yeah. Now, his rookie season in 62, he showed flashes. But because of the injuries, 63 is still... You know, he, he's a neophyte. He's trying to he's trying to learn the position. But in one four-game stretch in midseason, he caught 30 passes for 672 yards. So when you average 168 yards receiving over a four-game stretch, you might want to, you know, try and cover the guy a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Coach, uh, you were telling me uh, you came across a lovely little story by Paul Lionel Zimmerman, uh, Dr. Z himself, about Gilman and the Chargers. And there's a lovely little story about Lance Alward. Would you like to share it with our audience? Absolutely. I, I mean, Dr. Z had a great sense of humor. And, you know, I miss him dearly. We were like literally like big brother, little brother. Yeah. Um, he tells me that when Bambi goes into Locasal's office to sign the contract, that Locasal's secretary looks at Lance Allworth and goes, we're not giving you the money because we're not getting the newspaper anymore. She thought Lance Allworth was the newspaper boy coming to get a subscription from the charge. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful, oh, beautiful, fantastic. Oh, I love it. Okay, in the matchup, who who do you think would be covering uh, Bambi uh, out of the Bears' defensive secretary? Who takes him? Well, that is going to be the conundrum for George Allen defensively Ooh. because he l- would love to send Larry Morris on the Red Dog. Lance Allworth, the Chargers are going to come out tight end left with Lance Allworth flanker left. And let's see what Larry Morris does. Because mm. if he comes to blitz and Paul Lowe goes in motion to that side, yeah. which we know Sid Gilman can do, making it a trips formation, yeah. does Roosevelt Taylor take Paul Lowe man-to-man? Well, that sure could happen, which means we would have Dave Witzel trying to cover Lance Allworth man-to-man. Mm. Yeah. So there is a big advantage there for the Chargers in alignment. The only thing is... Larry Morris can drop into coverage. Ask Mr. Y.A. Tittle about that when yeah. he threw a screen out there in the title game. Yeah. So the Bear linebackers are pretty savvy. They can hide coverage, and Roosevelt Taylor could make it look like he's taking Paul Lowe, and then Larry Morris could take him underneath, and then Mr. Taylor could help Witzel and double Lance. So this is a that's the chess, the major chess match of the game is what do the Bears deal with with Mr. Allworth, and how do they do that? Okay, talking about a chess match. Coach, if you were Sid Gilman sitting in his film room, puffing on his pipe, and looking at those Bears, the films of the Bears' defense, what would you envision his offensive game plan to be? Now, against the Boston Patriots in that 63 AFL championship game, he used lots of motion to counteract the Boston Patriots' blitz. How, how, how do you think would it be any different against the Bears? What do you think he would have done to try to go out attack that Bears defense? He's going to do motion, but as I 
just mentioned, yeah. rather than do so much of it to the wide side of the field, if the ball's in the middle, I can see him doing motion to the left. Mm. Like I say, and it's not that they can't put Allworth flanker right, because they do that sometimes, Which because he did play both sides. He could be split receiver both sides. But the bottom line is, you must make adjustments for Paul Lowe's speed, and you must make adjustments for Lance Ulworth's speed. Hmm. And the Bears are going to be challenged there, but they, they sure have the players that can at least, um, let's say, give it a go, give it a battle. So he is going to do motion. I just don't see as much motion uh, away from the tight end to spread the formation into doubles, because then it invites... Bill George putting his knuckles in the dirt, and you have a five-man charge right through the middle. Mm. And then Mr. Lincoln has to... We're going to find out if, if Keith Lincoln can pass block. Okay. Now let's go to defense. If you were the late George Allen, may God rest his soul, sitting in his film room with a big bowl of ice cream and looking at that Chargers offense, what do you envision his defensive game plan to be? You know he's my coaching guru, so I'd have probably been the guy bringing him his ice cream. <laughs> and I'd, I'd have sat next to George and said, come on, George, what do we got going here? And then, you know, he'd, I'd ask the questions, and he'd have, does, he would have designed something to which the Chargers had not seen. Mm. And that could be where Larry Morris actually moves, because he's done this in the past, and he learned this from Shaughnessy, where Larry Morris and Bill George would literally be stacked behind the defensive tackles, and you'd have those four men charging through the different gaps. Ooh. And then, of course, Roosevelt Taylor has to come up and take Paul Lowe man-to-man. Ooh, wow. Okay. So yeah. Tobin Road is going to face a red dog package he did not know existed before. And I'm going to interject this quickly. Opening day 1953, the Cleveland Browns are playing the Green Bay Packers. Mm. And the starting quarterback for Green Bay is Tobin Road. And the starting left defensive end for the Cleveland Browns is rookie Doug Atkins. Can you imagine them looking and and Doug Atkins has sacked Road more than once. From, went from his days with the Bears when Rowe was both a Packer and a Lion. Yeah. So you can imagine Tobin Rowe in warm-ups looking over at Big Doug and going, you know, we he might walk up to Ernie Wright and make a comment, I'm going to buy you a couple of steak dinners. You've got to keep that big man off me. Yeah. Okay, let's go to the Bears' offense. Do you think the Bears could have gotten an effective ground game against the Chargers' big men like Faison and Ladd? And how would you envision it? Because when I interviewed Ronnie Bull for my fourth book, Lords of the Gridiron 2, Pro Football's Greatest Coaches, he used to tell me that Papa Bear liked to keep the running game between the tackles. Do you think against the Chargers he would have kept it between the tackles, or do you think he would have gone wide? Well, I, I think it's going to be a little bit of both. Not to contradict Ronnie Bull, and yeah. Ronnie Bull will get playing time in this game. And I know we're going to talk about the game site for this game. Yeah. Willie Gallimore is the is by far the key factor in the Bear offense. Mm. Joe Marconi and Ronnie Bull can run between the tackles all they want, and they may actually get a five-yard gain every now and again, mm. but they are not 
going to dominate the game running between the tackles mm. against anyone. Willie Gallimore, in the last three games of 61, mm. and then the first game of 62, carried the ball 62 times for 416 yards. Mm. But he hurt his knee a little bit in that opening day of 62 against San Francisco, and then he re-injured it the next week against the Rams, and that's it. I mean, he plays a little bit the rest of the year. He had to have knee surgery. The first, when I say these numbers, it's staggering how bad they are. The first seven games of 63, Willie Gallimore carried the ball 18 times for 11 yards. Okay. Now, but the second half of 63, 67 carries for 310 yards. Hmm. you got to give Papa Bear and Chuck Mather credit. Yeah. They brought him along slowly. They know they're going to need him later in the year. Yeah. So Ronnie Bull and Marconi carry the ball. Mm. So Gallimore is going to get more sweeps. And because he played so poorly against the Giants and, and on cold days, and he's a Florida boy, gee, where are we going for this game there, Matthew? Yeah, in our imaginary Super Bowl, we are setting this game in the Orange Bowl in Miami. I think Mr. Gallimore is going to have a fine game that day. Yep. And as good as Paul Lowe is, he is not, and as good a speed as he has, he is not faster than Willie the Wisp. Okay. Now let's talk about the San Diego Chargers ground game because in the AFL, they had a pretty good power sweep with Lincoln and Lowe because they kind of used the same rule-blocking concepts that Vince Lombardi later used at Green Bay, except San Diego ran its sweep much faster. Now, could the Bears' defense still be able to contain uh, the Chargers' power sweep like they contained the Green Bay Packers' sweep during those two regular season games in 63? What do you think? to gain yards on the ground. They're just, I mean, Paul Lowe and Keith Lincoln are just too good. Low on sweets, I mean, he's going he's gonna to break some runs. Yeah. The difference is no charger blocker, especially let's say they shift and they go, let's say they run sweep left. Mm-hmm. Okay, you have Larry Morris defending the tight end that side. Mm. And then you have flowing to the ball, Bill George and Joe Fortunato. But if it goes the other way, you have a first-team All-Pro and the best outside linebacker in 1963 in Joe Fortunato mm. playing left linebacker. Yeah. No, you know, Jock McKinnon and Dave Kasurik have never faced an outside linebacker near as good as Fortunato is. Mm. So Paulo is going to gain some yards. He's just not going to be able to break through as often. But mm. he is going to be a factor in the game. Okay. Now let's discuss the kicking teams. Which team had the better place kicker and the better punter? Well, this is almost um, opposite ends of the spectrum. Paul McGuire has a very, very poor year punting the ball. Ooh. Bobby Joe Green was legendary. Yeah. So the Bears have a huge advantage. Are the Bears going to have to punt against San Diego? You know they are. Yeah. So think of the difference in yards alone there. Yeah. But now let's go to the field goal kicking. Mm. Roger LeClaire is flip a coin. We get the Buffalo, it's good. We get the Indian, it's no good. <laughs> I mean, he just was not very – he missed two yeah. in the game against the Giants. Yeah. 
where George Blair, while he's not great, he's pretty consistent, and he's right under 70% making, which is okay for that era. So kicking field goal-wise, um, advantage San Diego. Punting-wise, huge advantage Chicago. Okay. Now let's go to special teams. Who was better at blocking kicks and punts, uh, Chicago or San Diego? And also, who was good at recovering punts and kicks, Chicago or San Diego? Well, though the Chargers are going to be okay in this area, um, the, the Bears and Dave, Dave Witzel is by far superior than anybody else on the field at blocking a kick. And I know Sid Gilman is not going to allow Dave Witzel to block a punt. If he had to run out there himself and put a bow tie on Dave Witzel, he's not going to let him block a kick. Um, <coughs> as for special teams play, Lance Allworth that season is the punt returner for San Diego. And mm. while he's not great, he is very good. But Johnny Morris is very good for the Bears. Yeah. It's almost uneven, almost a wash in that department. Yeah. So special teams is pretty much even on the return game and covering the kicks. Okay. Now, let's get to the game itself. In your personal, in your mind's eye, Coach, how do you see the game uh, unfolding before you in, in your mind's eye? Who, which team do you think would have established its offense first? And who do you believe would be the key players gaining yardage for that team? Well, because the Bears have never seen him before and have to be convinced Allworth is going to make some plays in the first half. Yeah. And Paul Lowe is going to gain some yards, and so is Keith Lincoln. So I have the score at halftime. Bears 14, Chargers 10. Mm. Okay. And the reason is the takeaway giveaway. It's not that San Diego doesn't move the ball, and Allworth, again, is going to be a key factor. But Allen is going to play it close to the vest in the first half and just hope he can keep his guys in the game. Chicago's offense, on the other hand, they are going to, Gallimore is going to be a factor not only in the run game, but as a receiver because those Charger linebackers, they, they've never seen anyone other than Paul Lowe with that kind of speed. Abner Haynes had good speed. Willie the Wisp is blazing. Yeah. I mean, I've got footage of him catching short passes against the Rams and the Packers mm. and outrunning the pursuit where they don't even touch him. Mm. Okay. So Gallimore is going to make a play in the first half. And again, I really believe Johnny Morris might catch a couple and Dick is going to catch a couple. The Bears lead at halftime 14-10. to 10. Are there any turnovers? Because, uh, you know, the Bears, they were able to get those five interceptions against Tittle in the NFL championship game. Have, do we see any interceptions by the Bears by any chance or anything by the Chargers? How do you see it? Well, the Chargers took the ball away five times, only five times in their three losses during 63, but 40 times in their 11 wins. Mm. So, we know they're going to need to do that. Now, could Billy Wade throw an interception, even though he's much improved? That is possible. But Gallimore can fumble the ball. Wade could fumble the ball. I think the Chargers are going to get a one takeaway in the first half. Okay. But the Bears, I mean, 54 takeaways in 14 games. Okay. So they are going to take the ball away at least once in the first half. I, I just see the first half being 
where the Charger defense is going to be exploited because Wade is going, and keep this in mind, Billy Wade has an axe to grind against Sid Gilman. Mm. Yeah. So it's going to be Billy Wade seeking revenge in the first half, but I'll get to the other man who's going to seek revenge in, in the fourth quarter. Okay, now at halftime, what, how would each team make their adjustments, and who, which team do you think would be the best at making adjustments? Well, there is, there is no doubt that um, Chuck Knoll and the Charger defensive staff is going to have to widen their linebackers out and adjust for Gallimore on a sweep, Gallimore on a swing pass, Gallimore on a circle route, wherever he goes. And Chuck Allen has got to be pointing this out from his middle linebacker position and helping. George Allen at halftime is ready to, as they say in the, in the movie, unleash the Kraken. Mm. He has held it back. And, of course, what I always found interesting is Sid Gilman, when he made all his comments about Billy Wade and about, you know, he couldn't wait to play the Bears. Yeah. Sid Gilman fired George Allen. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. George Allen, is his boys are going to keep the game close. And in the second half, he will have a coverage adjustment for Allworth that Tobin wrote is going to have to read. Okay. What do you think it would be? A, a double coverage adjustment? How do you envision? What would the adjustment be? Who's covering? That's an excellent, absolutely yeah. excellent question, Matthew. Yeah. The, the whole key is going to be, as I shared last week, it's going to be Pettibone and Taylor at the safety position. Yeah. Allen is going to go to Richie and tell him, you got to get Rosie to go to the, when they, whatever the coverage call is. I don't know what, how they, how, how Allen, I'm sure was very simplistic. Yeah but how he would call it. And Taylor could hide and disguise. And again, you know, when Rogue drops back, he may see the middle of the field open, and there goes Lance. He goes down and makes the great move up the field, and he just darts to the post. And Rogue fires that way, and he might have even completed one to Lance in the first half. But all of a sudden, there's Taylor in center field. Yeah. Now, okay, in the second half, does San Diego ever take the lead in the game against the Bears? Do you see see them taking a lead, ever? Well, at the end of the third quarter, I see San Diego, Blair, has made another field goal. Mm -hmm. And the Bears have not scored in the third quarter. So it's 14-13 to after three quarters. Now, the Bears might have moved down there, but... Based on, on my my disdain, shall I use that term? Yeah. Um, my disdain for Roger LeClaire, he again shanks an easy, makeable field goal. Yeah. So the Bears lead at the end of three, 14 to 13. But in the fourth quarter, you know that Rope goes, okay, I got to have it now. And you don't, it, maybe Allworth pops, maybe Keith Lincoln breaks through on a counter. Yeah. And, and goes for 15 or 20. Yeah. But Allworth is going to make a key catch, and San Diego is going to score. Yeah. So early in the fourth quarter, it is San Diego 20, Chicago 14. Okay. Now, in every Super Bowl game, there is always that key turning point. That, uh, that's always that's the hinge of fate. Coach, in your scenario, when does the hinge of fate come? Which team makes the big play? And which player makes it? 
Chicago, it's going to be the duo. I mean, my guy, you look at the list of outstanding safeties in the NFL in 1963. We have Jimmy Pat, we have Willie Wood, we have Larry Wilson. Yeah. But yet, Taylor and Pettibone were both first-team All-Pro. So there's going to be a pass, and I can just envision Pettibone fighting Kasurik or McKinnon for a ball, and it gets deflected into the air. And here comes little number 24, blazing out of nowhere. And Taylor, who did not have an interception in the championship game, is going to get one in this game Ah. and give the Bears the ball when they need it the most in the latter stages of the fourth quarter. And then it's going to be time for Mr. Wade to take the Bears the length of the field. Now, in the NFL championship game, and their, and their final scoring drive, Bill, Bill, Bill Wade hit Mike Dicka with the key pass that got him right to the goal line against the Chargers. Do you think we see it again? Mr. Ditka finding the seam in the Chargers secondary, making the big catch, and getting it close into the red zone. Yes, this is going to be his game. There's no doubt who the go-to guy is. I mean, I can still see Johnny Morris going down and doing a button hook and making the 12-yard catch. I can even see a screen to Marconi or a circle route to Gallimore, and they're moving down the field. The Bears, it's so funny. They want a balanced offense, but with the game on the line, Billy Wade is going to throw, and it would not shock me to see Billy Wade run one of his standard quarterback sweeps to the right, and he was very good at those. Yeah. But when he has to, whether it's third down, he is going to go to Ditka, yeah. and he's going to find him at least twice. Yeah. And again, the, the weakness of the Chargers, they're going to set it up. Chuck Mather is going to set it up and talk the weight on the sideline and convince him, you've got to flex my iron Mike out and get him so he is isolated on Gary Glick. And Glick just doesn't. He's just not good enough. Yeah. So Iron Mike is going to make, if he doesn't score the touchdown, He's going to set it up. Do you think it's a post route, or do you think it's a sideline route? Well, I, I see him going I'm almost like, not. I won't call it a post, I'll call it a scene streak. He's okay. going to go right up the hash and, and head towards the center of the field. Okay. Now, uh, how does the game end? Is it Does it end with the Bears' uh, touchdown, or do you think there's enough time for the San Diego to do a Hail Mary? is not the issue because Wade just knows he's got to get it in the end zone. Yeah. So when the Bears score and take the lead 21 to 20. Yeah. And they kick off however much time is left. You know, we know what's going to happen here. Now it's it's Ernie Wright's going to have to earn his paycheck. Yeah. Because here comes Doug Atkins. He has a chance to win a ring. You know, I don't know if the ring will be the size of the state of Tennessee, but <laughs> He's, he's sure going to want one, and uh, the other part is that the Bears are going to go to nickel coverage, and we know how they play that. Yep. They just look at what Tittle had. I mean, he could not yeah. get the ball through the Bears' secondary in the second half. Yeah. Five turnovers in the championship game. Yeah. So I don't know if the Bears are going to get a takeaway, but Tobin Road is going to be facing coverages and people back so deep and running to the ball, and you never know. Bill George could come up, put his knuckles in the dirt, and you could have literally a 5-1-5 defense. Yeah. 
Okay, the gun sounds. Bears win 21-20. Who is the game MVP? Although I want to make a case for Billy Wade or Roosevelt Taylor, the game MVP has to be Mike Ditka because he's the guy. He is the standout on the Bear offense, and he has been their go-to guy for three years now. Why would it change? Yeah. Coach, I want to thank you so much. That is a fantastic presentation, and I could just see the action unfolding before our eyes, and I believe our, and I know our listeners will be enjoying it too. I hope you had a wonderful New Year holiday, and may uh, 2024 be glorious. And, Coach, when next summer, when the next season starts, we're gonna we're gonna have fun again. Yes, sir. We always do, Matthew. Thank you so much for having me on. A happy New Year to everybody. And uh, we're going to do, maybe we'll do a mythical one for next year between, and call it the, the, the battle on Lake Erie between Buffalo and Cleveland. Yes, indeed. Yes, a very fascinating matchup. Jim Brown versus that vaunted Buffalo Bills defense. Yes, I, lo- I love the sound of it. Yeah. And Mr. Gilchrist might, might have taken exception to who the best fullback was on the field. You got it. You take care, Coach. Thanks a lot, Matthew. Okay, bye-bye. Yep. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for next week's show where I will be interviewing author Nancy Potter. Thank you and good night.